And we're here on the KNM Podcast. Ken Brown from WGI Radio, Michael Hare, DetroitLions.com, as we talk Lions football. Hello, Michael Hare. Hello, Kenny Brown. How are you today? I'm doing good. And, you know, I'm, I'm tired of talking to you every week. So I'm, we're going to lead right off with I'm bringing a guest. I'm trying to do a buffer between me and you so I don't have to strangle you before the draft, Mike. I just want you to know that. <laughs> well, I, 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 feel, I feel safer. All right. Well, I got Scott Bischoff here, the draft analyst for Woodward Sports, and he's also around. He's one of the best guys I know to talk NFL draft with. Hello, Scott. How you doing? I'm great, guys. How are you guys? Oh, pretty good. I know you got a tight time. We got a tight window, too. But I just – things that have happened in this last week, I just want to ask you questions about the way the Saints traded up to get the two picks, the way the Lions sent seven players out to see Thibodeau. I'm just saying, what are you seeing as this draft develops in the top, say, five picks? What do you see? Oh, boy. Um, so, I don't I don't think it's a great uh, – situation to be in the top five um you know there's some edge edge players between Aiden Hutchinson and Kayvon Thibodeau and and uh, Trayvon Walker who are, who are kind of being pushed up in that range uh still not sure that Jacksonville is gonna gonna not take a tackle I don't know if that makes sense I, I you know their their tackle situation has not been fully addressed and they don't have they don't have much depth in that room um it just seems it seems unreasonable for them to uh, to bypass a player like Evan Neal or or uh, Ike McQuanu, um for an edge presence when you, you know they have uh, two tackles on the last contracts last year of their contracts and so you know I, I think it's just it's super fluid I guess in the top five is the way I would put it and I, and I think there's an element of there isn't a lot of security with these picks like there isn't there was in the past where you kind of knew what you were getting in the top five some of the elite players i don't know that there is elite there's an elite group of players in the top five i don't know what you think mike but uh that's kind of where i am with it it's just it's very fluid i think it's excuse me i think there's a lot of depth in there but it's not depth at a high level and that to me that's different you know i, I remember what uh daniel jeremiah said <clears throat> excuse me in one of his uh one of his uh, uh podcasts i think he'd call it on NFL.com, but he was talking about Jaden uh, Hutchinson, and he said he's the best player in this draft, but he's got a high he's got a high floor, doesn't have a high ceiling. And he, his point yeah. was that he's going to be a guy who's going to get you 10 to 12 sacks, but he's not going to get you 15, 18, or 20. And he'll be a good player, and he's you know plays hard and all that. I mean, who does it in the National Football League though? And so that's part of it. And then there, I, what you don't have here, what often defines the draft is you don't have like for example, last year, top. You look at the top of the draft. Three quarterbacks went off, three wide receivers and a tight end, and the top nine picks. That defined the draft. You don't have that this year. Yeah, yeah, and that's. I mean, that's the best way to think about it. Is that it's. You might have. I mean, the best player in the draft, or at least the one that might be the most coveted, is a player who has a high floor and a low ceiling. I mean, that's kind of where it is. Um, you know. Uh, I mean, he, Hutchinson is going to give you everything he's got. He's going to defend the run. He's going to play physical. He's going to he's going to give you everything. It's just this, you know, the elite uh, is not there in this class. Well, I want to know where you fall in on this Malik Willis. And uh, before you answer the question, 
people are yelling that you can't take a quarterback if he's not ready to play this year that high and sitting him for a year is not worth moving up, you know, picks for or whatever. But I'm looking at Trey Lance last year. Basically, San Francisco gave up three picks to sit a guy year. I mean, they only played a little bit, but basically they're they're betting on the future years from them. So, to me, it's the same type situation. If you see a quarterback you think in a year or two can help you win, why not take them and let them sit? So, is too too high for Willis, in your opinion? No, it's not. I mean, Patrick, Patrick Mahomes did not start week one. Justin Herbert didn't. Lamar Jackson didn't. Deshaun Watson didn't. Josh Allen didn't. Aaron Rodgers didn't. Tom Brady didn't. There's, there's a, the list goes on and on of players who, who are, you know, some of the elite quarterbacks in the NFL who did sit for, for some time or a full season before they played. So, you know, um, that argument is, is a little bit flawed. The Lions are in a great situation to be able to take a quarterback and let him have a bit of a redshirt year where he can learn and develop. Uh, Malik Willis is one of the few players in this draft who can who can alter. Now I know he, he's super risky, right? I mean, there's, the risk is really high, but he's one of the few guys in this draft who can turn around the franchise, the you know, the fortunes of your franchise fastest. He just can't. I mean, you know, if we look at it from like a war standpoint, baseball, the whole wins above replacement model. Let's say you take you know Aiden Hutchinson and he gives you ten sacks. How many wins is that giving you? I mean, how much is that really adding to the to the to the win total of your franchise? And the answer is, you know, maybe you might win an extra game or two a year, but it's not really taking you completely over the top. If Willis gets to his his ceiling as a player, now that's a player who can completely flip the franchise. And and you know, I mean, some of it is you're getting a, a quarterback on a rookie contract, which is always a great thing. I think there is some desire to. Uh, if they dra- like there's some mentality that if you draft a quarterback that you're just done in the draft and the draft is over and so now you have pick 32 and 34 and 66 and 97 and then you would have you know three top 45 picks next year to add to it and you know um the Lions are one of the few franchises right now that do have the stability on offense to be able to draft a guy and sit him and let him uh, let him figure it out for a year mm. I think one thing, though, Scott and, and, and Kenny, we're just assuming that this is the franchise quarterback. I don't think we've seen enough of him uh, to, to make that sort of uh, declaration that, that this is the next franchise quarterback. He might be, but I go back to what, you're, what, what you said, Scott. It's risky, and it is. It is. I think when you're it in is. the draft, you try to eliminate as much risk as you can. Now, you can't eliminate all of it, and some of it is things that happen off the field, that happen in personal lives, and then other things that happen on the field. So I... If, if I, I just don't think there's any way you can say that, that you know Malik Willis is the next franchise quarterback for the Detroit Lions or for anybody. There's a long ways from from Liberty to, uh, to to lead an NFL team. Oh, absolutely. It's it's just the risk is the risk is super huge with with Willis, and I get it. I I, I do, but you know um, there's risk if you draft Kayvon Thibodeau, you're bringing on a ton of risk. If you draft uh, Trayvon Walker, there might be more risk with him than there is with with Kayvon Thibodeau. So, you know, there's there are there's an element of risk to all of it. It's just, you know, how much, like, you're right, I mean, how much risk are you willing to, to bring on? Now, I know that there's a desire to to talk about, you know, if you, you, you the, the uh, you know, the franchise has to be figured out and completely resolved before you, you take the quarterback. And, you know, um, it's just this is a situation where the Lions don't have to give up anything to get a potential franchise quarterback. 
you know, I, I think it's easy to just dismiss uh, the position and just say, oh, we'll just address it next year when we have a couple of picks. But, you know, if there is a if there's a rock star next year, I can promise you that whoever's picking at one or two is likely not coming out of that spot and, tr- and trading out of that spot because they love the quarterback. So it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough without giving up assets to go find the guy that you really like, you know, next year. Uh, and, and to me, that's, it's just, this is a guy who's there for you right now. You did see him for a week at the senior bowl. Um, you know, it sounds like the, there was a lot of interest, uh, you know, I mean, his off the field stuff is his charisma, his character, all that stuff is, is really, really good. And you know that, you know, he's going to work as a player. You can already see there's improvement in some of the things that he is doing. But, yes, he does have a long way to go, and I, and I recognize that fully. Right. I just I want to say one thing. I'm not dismissing him totally because in my last two mock drafts, including the one that came out yesterday, I have him going to the Lions with the last pick in the first round. So I'm not dismissing him as a player. I'm just yeah. To me, it's more of a value choice than it is uh, dismissing him totally because mm-hmm. I don't. I Watching him throw the ball. He threw it to the deep ball just effortlessly now. There's more to the game than throwing deep balls, especially against, you know, there's no, no defender, no safety, no sure, nothing. Sure, sure. <laughs> but he certainly looks like a guy who can throw it from the ground up, and by that I mean he's got good strong legs, a good strong arm, and he can really he can really, he can really he can the ball. All right, Scott, yeah. I know you got to go. I'm going to let you go. We'll get you back in a couple of weeks and talk, but uh, just one last question, one-word answer. If the pick was today and you had number two, who would Scott Bischoff pick? Who went first? Uh, say Hutchinson's are gone. Say Hutchinson's off the board. I would probably take Kayvon Thibodeau, but I would give lots of consideration to Malik Willis. All right. Kind of where I am. All right. Thanks, Scott. We appreciate it. We'll check you in another thanks, week. You'll we'll see Scott Bishop all around, draft analysts, Woodward Sports, and other places, too. Check them out. Thanks, Scott. Thanks, guys. All right. Now for you, Michael, here. Hey, tell, 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 listen, tell those listeners to stay with us. We're not, we're not going no, anywhere. No, we're not going anywhere. Okay. We're uh, still here. Right. I just want to make sure that you, they know that you uh, are back then. I didn't even want to get into the Hamilton Park. Like, he has to do something at 7 o'clock tonight, so I didn't want to ask about uh, Kyle Hamilton because you probably would have three hours with him to try and break him down for your favorite player. Who was, well, I've uh, had him going to the Lions twice now. Yeah, but I don't think I don't think your third one he's going. We'll yeah. uh, he's sliding we'll sliding like he's a Cedar Point, sliding down the big. No, he's, the, he's sliding down the Bell Isle slide right now as we go. Um, things that happened last week, the Thibodeau stuff picked up since the last time we talked, and Scott mentioned that before he left. Sending seven guys out to watch a guy work out, and you're putting it out there for the press to see. Part of me saying that you're doing it as a show and maybe you're trying to throw people off, but then part of me is maybe you were that interested. But it seems to me, Mike, wouldn't you bring the guy in and have all those guys, you know, work with him or do whatever you do on the visit if if you're unsure? I just don't know where to think of that, where to come off on that. Now, was, that the or- was that the Oregon Pro Day? Yeah, the Oregon Pro Day last week. Well, there are other players there to look at too, and that's part of it. They're not just – you want to see the other players on that roster do what they do too. So it's not just if I have it. If I understand this correctly, it was the school's pro day. Yeah, it was the school's pro guys. day, but they don't really lose these yeah. seven of pro days. No, well, not especially they, Oregon's they pro just, day. They don't just send Oregon's. Are, no, no, they, they don't just send one one scout out there, one GM. 
they'll send a lot of people out because there's other there's other players to look at. Yeah, but I'm saying, Mike, GMs sometimes don't go to pro days. I don't even know if they were at the Alabama pro day, which has way more talent than Oregon. They specifically were looking at him, and they wanted people to know that they were looking at him because they put seven out there and they took pictures and everybody saw it. So my thing is, is this a smoke screen or is this a legitimate we have to find out so we're sending these guys? Well, I think it's legit, and, but it can it can turn out to be anything. But I think going in there, they want to take a look at him. There's been a lot of talk about him going, even at, at one point, being the first pick overall. So I think it's – you can't do – would you rather have him do too much research or too little research? I don't have a problem with it. I'm just not I'm – not, I'm, I'm not one to want to be used by the media to advance something when they're trying to go another way. I'll let everybody else do that. I'm just wondering – Brad Holmes keeps his hands so close to the vest that I, I, anybody they pick it to could be a surprise to me, and I wouldn't be surprised because it's, I don't know where he's going, and nobody knows where he's going. And if somebody tells you they know, they're lying to you. Well, I think last year we had a pretty good idea that Penny Sewell was, was, was the preferred pick that, you know, for what was there and who was there, but – as we found out later, he did put a call into the Atlanta Falcons right. about Kyle Pitts, too. We found out that later. And also, they had some interest. I mean, I shouldn't say some interest, quite a bit of interest in Jamar Chase, who went to the uh, went to the Cincinnati Bengals a couple of picks before that, right. before they took Penny Sewell. So, you know, what's wrong, with, what's wrong with exploring every option? Not just sit there and say, okay, we're going to take Penny Sewell up. Call us when the seventh pick comes up. No. Well, this is, you know, you brought it around slowly. You didn't even mean to. But this is the interesting part, and this is where the Malik Willis falls in with me. Last year, when pick seven came, they had a chance to take a quarterback, Justin Fields. That's similar to Malik Willis in style, you know, a movable, strong-arm quarterback. Seeing that they passed on him then at the lower pick seven to take a, you know, a tackle kind of shows me that maybe Willis at two is not going to happen. Because, like I said, they had an opportunity to take that guy last year at seven, and they didn't. Well, maybe they didn't think he was worthy of the seventh pick. Maybe they thought well, that's what I'm saying about Willis. I, they, I don't think they would think Willis is worthy of the second pick because it, basically Fields was a better player at this point last year than Willis is at this point this year. And seven was too high for Fields last year. Why would two not be too high for Willis this year? Well, we also have to look at the quality of players that were available in the top. First of all, it's really not a valid it, – it's a difficult argument to make any – because you're talking about the second pick versus the seventh pick, but you're also talking about what was you know, right. What was available? What was available in the, in the draft pool last I year. Understand. And it was far superior to what's available this year. Right, but it's I'm talking about position-wise. You always, if doubt, throw doubt to the quarterback. If you if you're doubting between two positions and the quarterback is the one you thinking about, you always throw your weight behind that one if they're close because those are harder positions to fill. That's what I'm well, saying. Yeah, but yeah, but I, I don't. I, I, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think you're saying that they went there that they were looking at at, at fields that that had, you know, had that sharp an interest in fields. I don't think they did. That's my point. So, That's the point I'm making. Having, that they having, didn't. And having, I, I think if you just watch, if you watch Malik Willis throw the ball, just a much smoother delivery and more accurate, 
I don't think there's any doubt about it. Maybe Fields because he's bigger and all Well, that. Fields was the better player look, I, for this season, though, Mike. If you look at the last season, Willis, and two seasons ago, Justin Fields, Justin Fields was the better quarterback for that season. Better quarterback, better college quarterback. Yeah, that's what I'm saying for the last for their for their last year in college, right? Who cares what he did for Ohio State? I understand. I'm just making that point. I understand, but now when you're drafting on potential instead of production, you got to think about it. And I think that's what they're doing. I think that's really what's weighing it. If Willis would have had a hell of a year this year, you know, four to one touchdowns, interceptions, played big in those big games that he didn't play well in, I don't think there'd be any doubt. He'd be up in the top five, no question. That that's the question, though. Level of competition, and he didn't play great against the the, the great teams. Now I'm a believer; those things can be coached up. So I I wouldn't have a problem if they took him or not. I I wouldn't have a problem if they took Thibodeau. I'm gonna leave this one on Holmes and Spielman and those guys and Campbell. Whatever they pick, I'm fine with because they're doing the work. Whatever they pick, I'm fine with. You know, next time I see them, I'll tell them that. That'll, they'll sleep easier. I night. bet they are. They've been waiting for that. <laughs> They've been waiting for that. And I tell you, they're not waiting for Kyle Hamilton. But anyway, a um, lot of other things happened this week. A trade was made. The Saints picked up two first-round picks. They gave up next year's pick. I don't know if they're planning to move up for a quarterback or what. Philly gave up one of the three picks they had this year in the first round to next year. But um, everybody's saying that 15 and 18 now, they can move up in the top five and get a quarterback. And I'm just going to put this out to you right now. Would you trade, as the Lions, move back from number two if, they, if you got 15, 18, and say a second-round pick? They'll give you three picks in the top, you know, 30, in top 40 or whatever. Well, I don't think you'd get that much, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't, trade, I wouldn't trade two for 15 and 18. I wouldn't do it. Okay. Is there a, a number of picks you would move back? Well, I think the Lions have enough picks already. I think they have enough picks to do some damage in the draft. And I would think, you know, the number two overall player is a much more has a much better chance of being impactful. Obviously, anything can happen, but has a much better chance of being an impactful player than fifteen and eighteen. Mm-hmm. If those players, if those players, if if there was some, you know, if if you could could project them being that impactful at 15 and 18, then you wouldn't trade them. Okay. I I agree with that. Now, I have another question for you. Say That's they take a, a, the they take a high-rated player. I'm not even paying attention to you. Yeah. They take a high-rated player at number two. Are you? Do you have a problem taking a quarterback at 32? No. Like I just said, I've, I've had Malik Willis going to the Lions at 32. He's not going to be there. For a month now. Okay, take him out of the question. He, I know, but take him out of the question. We're not talking about him because he's not going to be there. Any of the other quarterbacks at 32? No, I wouldn't take him. I don't like him. I like him the best. He's the only one, and he'll be gone long before 32. Well, he might. He might not. No, he will be gone long before 32. Well, we'll see. So, um, you don't we'll like any of the other guys, Matt Corral, um, Ryder, who Ty McShay, I think, had the Lions taking 32 this year. from Cincinnati? Yeah, the kid from Cincinnati. He can run, but there's more to playing quarterback than running. Right. So there's no other quarterback that floats you? Nope. All right. So that's what we'll do. I'm, 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 going, I'm, I'm going down with Malik Willis. Mm-hmm. I saw uh, recently that the Lions still had, like, the six most cap space left going into this week or whatever. Um, are you disappointed they didn't sign anybody else? Um, I know Arden Key went to Miami, I believe. Or was it Miami he went to? 
Who was this again? Arden Key. They wanted to sign him, and I think he oh, signed with no, Miami. Oh, not really. Was is there I any? It was just an okay signing. Look, they've got these young guys now that they've been trying to develop. I thought they, despite the statistics you look at, I think Jacksonville. Like, you went to uh, Jacksonville. I'm sorry. Yeah, Jacksonville. I think I think I, I think some of the young guys that you saw last year are starting to develop. You know, uh, and I think let's uh, you're putting this much time in with them and and energy and money and whatever. Let's 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 play with those guys and let's. Plus, you've got just a really a prime time player, and he's worth the money. But I didn't see Hard K at all. So you don't foresee any other signings before um, any other big signings. I'm sure there'll be some minimum, you know, one year guy signings and whatever like that before the draft. But you don't like the. There's a couple of guys still out there, like the Honey Badgers still out there, and a couple other guys that haven't signed yet. You don't foresee any name player signing. but not by Detroit. Look, Kenny, Honey Badger, look, is a nine-year player. and He's not just going to go just anywhere. He's going to pick his spot and go to a team that has a chance to win because that's what he's been all about his entire career as a football player in college, LSU, and then here in the National Football League. He is, he's a guy who wants to be play you know, big-time games for big-time teams. And, and at this stage of his career, I don't think he'll settle for anything less than that. And right now, at, at this point in the Lions development that doesn't fit their profile either so it's I think it's just a, a mutual thing that they're not gonna not gonna get him now sometimes you might get a guy in the last year or two just wants to make a little bit more money or a lot more money and that doesn't serve any purpose for you either because you're not developing anything true but I think you need with a young team and I, what number did the Lions end up being last year for in the in reference to youth where they they were I know they were in the top top probably fourth of the league in a roster age, they were a young team, but I think that you need well, a couple of veterans to show guys around. It's always I don't see any problem with that. I know you're talking about not developing guys, but you need some guys to show them the way, Mike. You just can't throw a bunch of young guys out there. Well, I think if you look at their offensive line, their veteran offensive lineman, they had uh, David Brackers, defensive lineman that they that they signed last year was there, and I think I think they're okay in that regard. And look, some of the guys who played last year are a year older, and they've they've sort of learned the ropes of the National Football League and last year they learned it the hard way and they also learned that if you keep you know, you know, plugging away at it, good things can happen to you like they did to some degree, you know, in the second half of the season. So mm-hmm. I I'm not I'm not too too worried about that type of thing. All right. And one thing he did say on the last mm-hmm. note before we get to my last issue with you, but on the last thing that um With me. Yeah, with you, that Brad Holmes <laughs> said was that he wouldn't have a problem trading that pick before the draft. You know, I'm the old Willie Rove guy, whatever we talked about this last week. But yep. if a deal is so good, do you have a problem with that, or should you just wait to get on the clock? No, I don't even, no if it's a really good deal, I don't have any problem with it. Then, then, you know, like I said, this is, this is to me, this is a starless draft. It really is. And, and now they may develop out of this draft, but I don't, they're, not just, they're not guys who household names or anything like that. You know, the next – great this or the next great that i don't see that so no if you i mean you, you can have too many picks too and all of a sudden you just got a, a team of, of young players and, you know making mistakes out there you can you can really you can overdo it but i don't think the lions are any you know near doing that but uh, i i think they trade the picks absolutely if, that, if you think that you can do it yeah go ahead and there might be some offers because this is my thing, Mike. It's like a Saturday night at a, at a at a dirty club that you go to. 
They may not be stars, but they're stars to you that night because that's all you got to choose from. And I, look, they, this may be a starless draft, but it's the dispersal draft of talent to the league, and you have the top, you know, one of the top picks with it. So you're going to come out on top. That's why I, I don't believe any draft is bad. It's just the star power by by writing and by, you know, publicity. But I think they can pull a lot out of this draft for what they need. And I think that it's deep I, enough I, I, that listen, they will get those yeah, picks. I, no, I'm not. Listen, I'm not, I'm not at all doubting that there are good players out there for the Detroit Lions. It's just it's, it's not – they're not the big, time, the big names that you had last right. year. But I and would predict that. more than anything – which I'm not going to wait around to get the prediction right, but I'm saying there will be a Hall of Famer drafted in this draft. All right, Mike, that's going to be it for this week. We'll resume again next week to talk about the other things happening. We're real close to the draft, uh, three weeks away. Um, I'm sure things will happen. Go to DetroitLions.com. Michael Harris, mock draft. What, what number are you on now? Is this the third or second? It was mock uh, 3.0 or 3.1, I forget which, but there's some really good stuff in there. There really is. All right, check it out. What, but there is – but there isn't everybody's mock draft. There really isn't. All right. Mike works hard on it. He spends upwards of eight hours on each pick. So please go look <laughs> at it. All right, Mike. Until next week, this is Kim Brown and Michael Harris. See ya.